Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Handyman Success Podcast. We are on episode three. Um, super thrilled about today's episode. Uh, we've got Chris Olson, Pacific Home Maintenance. Of course, uh, let's see, I should introduce myself. I'm Jason Call, uh, founder of Handyman Marketing Pros, one of your co-hosts with Alan Lee and the Handyman Journey, um, a man who needs no introduction, as I normally say. Uh, the purpose of the Handyman uh, Success Podcast is to use these guest stories, use Chris's stories and his experience in business as a successful home improvement contractor to teach you real practical business tips, marketing tips, um, life advice from his experience. Um, so not only to teach you, but to inspire you that you can achieve whatever goals that you have in your home improvement business. So uh, without any further ado, uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. We're really excited about this episode. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, uh, if you don't mind, uh, give us uh, and everyone listening here a little lay of the land, a little history about yourself, your business, like um, kind of where you're at right now. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, uh, like Jason said, my name's Chris Olson. Uh, I am a owner of Pacific Home Maintenance, which is a general contracting company based in Monroe, Washington, which is just northeast of Seattle, about 45 minutes, so right up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I've been in business since October of 2019. Officially, um, I worked in construction for several other GCs and various trade companies for three or four years before that. Um, and for the last six years, I've also been a, a professional firefighter and paramedic um, and was full-time in the fire department for a while. Um, now just do it part-time. Um, still a passion of mine, but my business has kind of become my primary focus. Um, I am 26 years old. Um, I've started my business about two years ago, like I said, um, and started as a one-man show handyman company. Uh, actually found uh, Alan Lee in the handyman journey when I was, shoot, probably only like two or three months into business and had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, learned a lot of good tips to get started and kind of like figure out the lay of the land and had a lot of good advice from people that have been in the industry a lot longer. Um, and from people in, in that group and other, other places on Facebook and found a lot of a lot of really cool resources and a lot of really cool contacts in the industry. Um, I grew over the two years after that, where today, we, as we sit, um, we are a licensed general contractor for the state of Washington. Uh, we specialize in decks, fences, and exterior remodeling. So we do large custom decks, a lot of composite and uh, uh, deck covers, deck awnings uh, full with like the kind of crazy outdoor living spaces you see on the front of magazines. Um, we do a little bit of interior remodeling um, and we still have a handyman division and do a lot of the small like general home maintenance tasks and jobs too. Um, currently sitting with uh, myself and a full-time uh, office manager in the office. Um, and then I have uh, a full-time project manager, two full-time crew leads, uh, three full-time crew members and a handful of part-time guys. Uh, total last time I looked was 11 people on payroll um, with three active job postings that I can't fill. <laughs> um, we're on an average day, we're running two or three crews, uh, usually two crews with a truck and a trailer and a third crew with a van. Um, usually one, sometimes two big jobs running at a time. And then we fill in the gaps with a lot of the smaller jobs. Um, most of our small jobs these days are kind of handyman size jobs, but specifically related to the industry we do. So we do a lot of full like deck construction projects where we just come in and we spend four weeks in your yard and we tear everything down and start over. And it's a 30 to $50,000 project a lot of times. Um, but we do just as many small jobs where we come out and we just replace a couple of deck boards, repair a deck railing, fix a staircase, 
um, add something to, to an existing deck or fence or yard project in, in and out in a few hours. Um, so we kind of have the full spectrum of small jobs, two or three a day, all the way up to our largest project to date was $74,000 and took us six weeks. Wow. Wow. That, that's excellent. Um, so how did, how did it go as far as hiring people? You got 11 people on payroll now. You started October 2019. So when did you hire your first employee and how did that go? Like, what, what was the process of that? So honestly, uh, the first whole series of employees I hired was an absolute nightmare. Um, I actually, uh, I will give one big piece of advice to new business owners when it comes to payroll, which is don't try to do it yourself, pay somebody else to do it. Um, it is one of the most, it is one of the biggest and most important checks you can write as a new business owner, because the first time you miss something up, or you mess something up, you forget to carry a decimal point or a zero, it will cost you more than you will pay your accountant for a year of managing your payroll. Um, it's very easy to make a small mistake and owe the IRS or the state or LNI, like at least in my state, the LNI division, uh, you can owe them thousands of dollars if you make a small mistake on a paper piece of paperwork somewhere. Um, so until the last three months, I did not take that advice and I was doing all of it myself. Um, and I actually ended up owing L and I like $7,000 one, one month Man. because I had, cause I had miscalculated my hours for almost a year with five employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pay $300 a month now to have a professional account, do all my bookkeeping and my payroll. Um, but I laugh at that now. yeah, it's funny now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that like, I'll kind of talk about later is like the, the number one piece of advice I've ever gotten as a business owner is when you are trying to decide whether you should do something yourself or pay somebody else to do it. If it's not something you're good at and you like doing, write somebody else a check to do it because it's going to save you time, effort, and money in the long run. Mm-hmm. It might feel like you're spending money, but in reality, it's going to save you money in the long run. <laughs> do what you do best and write a check for the rest. There you Pretty go. much. I yeah. Like <laughs> I, I, I would wear that as a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> So Chris, if you don't mind, uh, kind of like fleshing out, like, uh, from, cause like me and Chris work together. That's like kind of how, you know, I know Chris and I knew he'd be an awesome like person to come on the show and like share what he's doing. Cause he's just been killing it. Um, it, your team, like from when I've talked to you on the phone, what I see on Facebook, your team is awesome. You guys have great like connection. You guys get along well, obviously mm-hmm. the output and the work you guys do is amazing. Um, you're profitable, you're growing. So what, if, if you don't mind kind of fleshing out a bit, um, what does your hiring process look like? Like, how do you find your crew leads? How do you find your part-time workers? Like, what does that look like for you? Because a lot of people, they struggle with bringing Mm -hmm. on reliable help that, you know, is going to be there for them and going to do right by their company. So I'll be totally honest. Um, the answer to this question will probably frustrate a lot of people because it's not repeatable by the average person. Um, for my first year in business, every employee I had was another firefighter who worked for me part-time. Oh wow! Um, and they were all people that I had known for years before I hired them. Um, so my first long-term employee who was with me for my entire duration of, uh, from he was my first employee I ever hired at six months in business. Um, and he worked for me all the way up until last month when he left. Um, he actually got offered an electrician's apprenticeship that's going to lead to him owning the company in three years. So he got offered a business opportunity he couldn't turn down um, and no hard feelings towards him for that. Um, but my other three or four employees after him are all either friends of mine that I've known for a long time. Um, or one of my crew leads is my best friend's brother-in-law um, who married my best friend's sister and then moved into, moved into town and was a mechanic for five years, had a lot of the same knowledge and just needed some basic training and 
He's been with me full time since. Um, and then I, the only employee I've hired that I didn't already know before I hired them um, is actually my current project manager. Um, and technically, even though I didn't know him personally before I met him through my business, um, he was actually the sales manager at my lumber yard for my first year and a half in business. Um, he left the sales industry to do construction for the last six months to a year. Um, and he was working for another contractor. Um, and I started talking to him and I sent him texts like for months saying, hey, when do you want a job? Hey, when do you want a job? Hey, when do you want a job? And finally, he called me back. And I, I swear I swear on my life that his text back was just like, will you give me health insurance? And and it worked. I, I hired him just based off based off that. So wow. he's a great dude. Um, so, and so how do you hold how do you hold on to these guys? I mean, what do, what do you if you don't mind? What are you paying them per hour? Are you paying them an incentive bonus? Yep. You yeah. So sounds like yeah. So my my full time guys all get benefits. Um, my full time guys, uh, the brand new guy on the crew that doesn't know what end of a hammer to put a battery in. Um, make sixteen make sixteen dollars an hour for the first ninety days, and then if they show up to work on time, do good work, and are honest, trustworthy, and even if they don't know anything yet, but they are proven they want to be there, they get an automatic two dollar raise to eighteen an hour. Um, and anybody that's been here for more than six months to a year is making between twenty and twenty five, um, and my higher level employees make thirty five plus. Okay. Um, and I actually have one guy on my payroll who's uh, one of my former mentors who used to own his own company. And he retired and I keep him on payroll to do really specialized technical projects. And he actually makes 50, 50 an hour. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Um, um, I would love to hear a little bit of like, like in about your business. Like, do you, do you sure. mind sharing like what you try and get per hour? Uh, you know, yeah. So, and- yep. So I actually, that's actually really simple math. So um, I have uh, one of my business coaches, uh, Tom Reber that I mentioned, um, he has a whole formula of figuring this out that makes, makes it really easy. Um, a huge portion of his coaching is understanding the numbers of your business and understanding how those numbers affect what you should charge. Um, so I don't really charge hourly unless it's a very small, like like really minor job, but I do base my estimates off an hourly estimated per man hour cost. Mm-hmm. And that per man hour cost is a breakdown of my annual revenue divided by the number of employees I have times 1,700 hours which is my number of billable hours per year in theory. 1,700 is a random number that's basically like 40 hours a week minus holidays, sick time, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I have four employees times 1,700, 6,800 hours. Um, I take that number and I divide my annual overhead. And that gives me a number that I have to charge per hour, per man hour to cover my overhead. Then I say, okay, I want this many dollars of net profit per year. So let's say I want above and beyond everything else is paid, including my salary, the business, I want to make $75,000 of net profit this year. So I take that $75,000 and I divide it by that 6,800 hours. And that's my amount of dollars I have to make in order to get my net profit. Then I take all my employees' wages. I add them together, divide it by the number of employees. That's your average hourly employee cost. Multiply that by 1.3, 1.4, whatever you have to get to get your actual employee cost. Because obviously you pay a guy $18 an hour, it actually costs you more like 23 or 24 because of insurance and taxes and workers comp and everything else mm-hmm. at, you take that number and that's your average cost per employee of actual field labor cost. Mm-hmm. You add all three of those numbers together, your overhead per hour, your profit per hour and your labor cost per hour. And that's the minimum amount of money that you have to charge per hour. 
So for me personally, I do all that math and it comes out to $91 an hour. So my absolute minimum per man hour is $91 an hour. So if I have two guys on a site, it's $182 an hour. Right. Right. That's awesome. That's and, that, and that obviously changes based on your overhead, your your expenses, your number of employees, like anything you change in the business, you have to go back and refigure that out. Because my number actually was 65 an hour not that long ago, but that was when I was basing it off of having six employees and not four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I dropped to, from six to four because I only reliably have four. My project manager doesn't reliably work in the field. He's in the office a lot of days. And my other two guys are part-time. And sometimes they're there two or three days a week. Sometimes they're only there a couple times a month. So I'd rather have them kind of be a bonus in labor productivity and an extra expense as compared to an actual factored expense. Because obviously that difference of $30 an hour is a huge difference if you're talking about weeks and weeks and weeks of not making that money for overhead and labor. Right. For sure. For sure. And I love that the aspect of knowing your numbers. I mean, some people Mm -hmm. might've been listening to you and been like, Oh, like, what is he talking about math? Like I flunked math in school, but no, this is the most important thing that I really think a lot of people just gloss over because they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. That's the number one way to grow your business is really sit down, figure Mm -hmm. out your numbers, you know, and exactly what you've done, Chris, because that's, that's where the money is at. Mm Because if you have four employees, six employees, nine employees, but you're not charging enough per hour. Yeah. What the heck's the point, right? It's well, not, and, the goal is yeah. not growing a big business. The goal mm-hmm. is to actually have a life and have a sustainable life. Yep. You know, for not yeah, as, one of your employees. <laughs> exactly. As one of my coaches says, you, the first step to scaling is, is having everything together. So you're scaling something good and not just scaling. Because if you scale a business that you already aren't profitable in, whether you know it or not, you're not going to get more profitable by growing. If you're running in the red with one employee, you're going to run in the red with four employees. You're just going to run further in the red. <laughs> right. This is um, one one huge thing that, you know, like in regards to sales, right? Um, there's a lot of talk about conversion rate and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people that they might be getting, they're like, well, I'd rather have, you know, a 70% conversion rate. Um, but yep. yeah, what are you charging per hour? Right? Like I could get mm-hmm. a 70 or 80% conversion rate if I charged a hundred bucks, a lot an hour, less. Yeah. but what I need to charge is X amount and I'm going to, my conversion rate is going to be a whole, a whole heck of a lot lower, but I need to charge that. So it doesn't matter if I'm getting yep. clients, if they're not paying what I need to make, they're not my yeah. clients. You it, know? it goes back to the classic saying it's, it's cheaper to not work than work at a loss. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true because there's a lot of uh, expenses that come along yeah. with business. So why would you do it if you're not making some money? Yeah. Well, I mean, you hear about contractors all the time that they 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 work hard all year. They get tons of revenue. They have tons of expenses. And at the end of the year, their bank account reads zero. <laughs> and they don't understand why. They're like, I don't understand. I'm, I'm taking in these checks for 10, 12, 14, 16, $20,000 all the time. But for some reason, at the end of the month, I have $14.73 left. Yep. And it's, and it yep. comes down to that, like really knowing inside and out, like what's your actual overhead cost? What's your actual labor cost? What's your actual running around cost? Or like one of the things I see a lot with um, like handyman companies specifically is they don't understand that like they need to factor in their own cost. So like if you're, if you're working in the field and you have one employee, you have to bill as if you have two employees, things like that. Like you have, you have, you have to factor in your own labor as an, a business owner, but your own labor in the field. And you have to bill as if, if I was going to replace somebody, if I was going to replace myself with an employee, what would I have to pay them? Right. For sure. Yeah. I, I love how you flesh all that out, Chris. Really appreciate you sharing all that. Um, and something too, like I, I want to encourage anyone that that's 
likely small. Most people listening to this, they're, they're not the size of, of Chris's business, but that just means your math is a little bit simpler. It's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But whether you have one person or 11 people, you need to be doing this math and understanding your numbers and knowing what you need to charge to, you know, not only like just pay your expenses and, and pay yourself, but like what kind of net do you want by the end of the year? Yeah. What kind of net profit do you want? And so building all that in. So like hearing Chris break down all this, I guess I just encourage people to really take a look at those numbers and figure out like, mm-hmm. what do you need to charge to make what you want to make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and thinking about things like if you're going to make a business decision about, Hey, I, I'm running around doing like, say you're a company that all you do is build fences. So you have you and a second employee running around building fences. You're handling the office side and you're like, man, I can't keep up with sales. I'm three months ahead. I want to hire a second crew. So you start thinking, you're like, okay, if I had a second crew, I could make $10,000 a week instead of $5,000 a week. But what you don't realize is you're going to do that, but then you're also going to add the cost of a second truck, the cost of additional payroll, the cost of additional tools, the cost of additional equipment, and you're going to have twice the risk per week that something's going to go wrong, twice the amount of callbacks, twice the amount of insurance claims, twice the amount of whatever, and you have and you have twice as many employees to manage. And yeah. all of a sudden you you start realizing that oh maybe I'm I'm going to I'm going to double my revenue and I'm only going to add a 10% like net profit at the end of the at the end of the month. Yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> What's, what's the point, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people, you know, if, if you go down that road, like you're, you're yeah. just literally spinning your wheels for nothing, mm-hmm. you know, um, but there, there is a smart way to grow a business. And I think yep. that's one thing that you've really shown and excelled that in here, Chris. And yeah. I, I love the quote, like from Dave Ramsey, and, and maybe this can launch into our debt talk, but, sure. um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, if, if you don't tell your money where to go, your money's going to go where you don't want it to go and you're not going to mm-hmm. know where the heck it went. Right. So yep. if you don't know your numbers, like we can't stress it enough. Like I, I, I can bet you there, there's probably, you know, a thousand people listening to this podcast right now that do not know their numbers, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's the sheer fact of just how a lot of people do business. They just go yeah. out. They're like, I have a hammer and a screwdriver and I'm going to go make some money. But they mm-hmm. don't know their numbers. They don't know how much is going out every month, yeah. right? They may not even know how much is coming in every month. They just think mm-hmm. that what what's coming in has got to be more than what's going out. You know? yeah. But really, that results in your bank account being zero. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the hardest things about being a contractor, too, is like I... I was really fortunate to start learning a lot about business right away. But one of the things I hear all the time is I hear like, I don't understand. Like I have a great product. I have great customer service and I just can't seem to make enough money. And it's, and it's people don't really grasp right away sometimes that being a really skilled, amazing craftsman, like you could be the, you could be the best bathroom remodeler in the entire state that you live in. But if you don't know your numbers and you don't know what things are costing you and you're not keeping track of what's going in and what's going out and do appropriate business planning, you're still gonna you're still gonna fail to plan. Like fail like failing to plan is planning to fail. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And and you know, I, I love the topic that we're on. Like, cause I was actually just listening, you mentioned Tom Rebar the other uh, earlier. I was listening to one of his videos the other day, and absolutely phenomenal guy. Um, but he was talking about you know, rates, right? And what your yep. rate should be, you know? And, and I think really when you make these business decisions, it comes down to mentality, you know? Um, yep. We talk a lot about at, at the Handyman Journey that there's two different mentalities. You can have a champion mentality or a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And by default, us as humans always default to the victim mentality. Yep. But 
I believe that we are created and called to live in the champion mentality. And that's really where excellence happens when you choose the champion mentality. So every choice that you have in life, you have the choice to either take the victim route or the champion yep. route, you know, and when you're talking about pricing, if you figure out what your pricing needs to be in, like in, in your instance, you come up with 91 bucks per hour. Yeah. You know, the victim mentality would be like, oh crap, that's a lot of money. No one's going to want to pay that. Yeah. No one's going to want to pay it, right? That's the victim yeah. mentality. But the champion mentality is like, no, I need to charge this so that I can get to where I want to go so that I could pay my employees well. So, so I can give that yep. guy benefits that he won't come work for me unless I have benefits. Right. Yep. Um, it's yeah, all and, about mentality. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And spoiler alert for all those people listening, $91 an hour is not a lot of money. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Now when, yeah. now when it comes to world of construction, there's, I can't remember uh, the exact number, but I, I think the average hourly rate for most construction companies in the Seattle area is actually closer to 150. And when, when we charge for small jobs, um, we're on the back end charging upwards of 250 an hour a lot of days. And people pay it every people pay it every day. They're happy to. Yep. If you have a quality product, a quality experience, a qual a quality customer service mentality, and you're delivering an excellent product, there are a lot of people in the world that are happy to pay a premium price for a premium product. Yep. If you are if you're providing a premium service and a premium product, and somebody says, "I don't want to pay that," it's absolutely crazy. Like that's that's insane. They're not your customer. They're somebody right. else's customer. Yep, there's, there's a, true. there's, there's a hundred guys on Craigslist that will happily pay, happily work for $35 an hour cash under the table on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. if, if you're trying to effectively run a business, you, you can't have that mentality. Yeah. And, and if you need to charge a higher rate, like I absolutely love the, the discussion that we're having about pricing here. Uh, cause that's like what I'm all about. But like, if, if you, if you need to charge a higher rate and you think people aren't going to pay you, then the champion mentality would say, okay, well, how can I up my game? So people will want to pay that, right? Yeah. Um, like there's so many things you can look into, right? Like mm -hmm. wearing, uh, making it a company-wide thing where you wear booties in, in someone's mm -hmm. house. Make it a company-wide thing where when you do a dryer vent cleaning, you put those little, you know, skids underneath the dryer so you don't scratch up the floor. You know, yep. you make it a company-wide thing when, you know, when you're going to chain, do a ceiling fan over a bed, you lay a sheet out over the bed. Like mm -hmm. these things are things that set yeah. you apart from other people and provide that superior yeah. product so that you could charge a superior price. Well, and, and the craziest thing is that I think a lot of contractors like and handyman people just don't quite wrap their head around is that the bar is low. The bar is really low. I have a joke that uh, I had a friend the other day. He asked me, he was like, hey, like he's, he's an electrician working for a big electrical company. He's been, been, been an electrician for like eight, nine years. He's a union guy. Um, he's a super savvy, smart business guy, has a side hustle. He was like, man, I kind of want to go off on my own and run a company. And I was like, I can't remember what his exact question. He was like, what, if, if I did this, like what, what's, what's some advice you have? And I said, answer your phone. <laughs> cause, cause I can't tell you how many times the GC I had to call like seven electricians just to get one to pick up the phone. The one electrical company that I have that I use regularly is absolutely amazing, but because they're so good, they're booked out for four to six to eight weeks at a time. So if I need something last minute, I have to start calling phone numbers. And I kid you not, there are times where I run through 10 companies in my area for any given service and let them pick up their phone. Ridiculous. The, the other day, I finished up a big deck awning and we were putting a gutter up on the, on the front of this deck awning, a 20-foot long gutter. Like Literally, it's like a $300 job for a gutter company. It takes them 10 minutes and they could have swung by, knocked it out. And I called the first like eight companies on Google and the first seven didn't pick up their phone. The seventh guy picked up, said, hey, I can be there in like 
an hour. I just, I'm finishing up for the day. And I was like, great. What do you want? And he was like, I'll take, I'll, how about $200? And I was like, how about I pay you 300 and you get here in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he swung by and took care of it on his way home. And it just so happened, ironically, that he actually lived like a mile from my job site that I was finishing up on. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that's perfect. And, so, I think and, and that's the thing is the, the bar is so low. So low. so low, like you wear, you, you logo your trucks, you wear company uniforms, you show up on time, you send a reminder text the day before your appointment, you have logos on your trucks, vehicles, branding that all match, you answer your phone in a nice way, you call people instead of texting them about important information, you're not a complete jerk, and you are automatically employee and company of the month above everybody else in the industry. Yep. It's not, well, it's not hard. <laughs> Yeah, what you could do is just simply ask yourself, right? If I was hiring a handyman, it's hard sometimes for handymen to real to think like that because for me, I would never hire myself. I would never hire a handyman just because personality, yeah. right? Hundred percent. Like I'll, I'm just gonna fix it myself. Yeah. But if you were gonna hire a handyman, how would you want them to act, right? If they had mud on their boots, would you want them to put booties on before they came into your house? Like, yep. there's all these things, and I think you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Answer your phone. Like the biggest change in my business ever was when I hired my customer relations personnel, a yep. lady to answer the phone, yep. answer the emails, because I had gotten a reputation. And this is something I talk about in my book, uh, the handyman marketing stra uh, strategy book um, is just, I got this reputation of don't call honestly, because he doesn't answer his phone. <laughs> you know, I was so busy. That That's I crazy. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the work. And I was good at what I did. But people wouldn't like there was literally this persona of like, Alan doesn't answer his phone. So there's no point in even calling that. Like I heard that from quite a few different avenues and really? like, whole, like wow. crap, like that's a horrible, like I definitely mm -hmm. don't want to be known for the guy who doesn't answer his phone. And yep. I would like, but that was, that was me. I was so busy, had all these voicemails. It got to a point where it's like, well, man, I got a hundred voicemails. I don't got time to go back and call all these people. And so yeah. I, I'm super, like super sad to say I let those people go and I never called them back. Yep. I gave them horrible customer service. I deserve that reputation of someone who didn't call them back. Mm -hmm. But when I call, when I hired my customer relations personnel, everything that that's when my business started growing, like, because I had someone to take that load off and start answering the phone so that I yep. could focus on other things in the business, you know, yeah. and I answer your phone. It's huge. Yep. And if you can't answer your phone, hire someone to answer your phone. Yeah. Well, and one of the biggest things that uh, I, I learned early on that I'm glad I did that I, I tell people all the time is hire before you need somebody. If you need to hire somebody, it's too late. So like I like so my, how I got my office manager is kind of a crazy story. So my, my office manager, her name is Kenya. Um, she's literally just like the most amazing person on earth. Um, she is my best friend's wife, actually. Um, and the way that I ended up hiring her was I was talking on the phone with my best friend one day. And I was like, man, I just, I'm working. I, I kept track. I did this thing for a couple of weeks where I actually tracked my own hours in a time timekeeping app. And I was averaging 80 to 90 hours a week because I would work, because I would work 40 hours a week in the field. And then I would come home and I would do paperwork until I couldn't stay awake anymore. And then I go to bed and I get up to the next, do the same thing six days a week. And I was talking to him and I, I called him and I was just like, man, um, like I'm just, I'm swamped. I have so many phone calls. I have so many emails. I'm just absolutely exploding with growth. Um, I had just hired my, my, my first employee about that time. Um, and I was actually, that was actually a little bit after I hired my first employee, Jeremiah, and I was on to my second or third employee at that point. And I was like, man, I had just got to hire somebody. Um, and I was, and I was like, Hey, your, your wife works in admin, right? Does she have any friends that would be interested in 
um, like interested in a job? Like, does she know anybody that might, 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 might want a job? And he was like, I don't know. I'll ask her. Um, and that was like, uh, that was like on a Tuesday, um, calls me back on that Saturday. He was like, Hey Chris, how are you doing today? I'm like, Oh, not bad. He was like, Hey, um, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah. He was like, how soon do you want to hire like an office admin manager? And I was like, I mean, yesterday. He was like, why don't you come over to dinner at our house today? And I was like, why? He was like, I'll tell you when you get here. Uh, but long story short, can you got laid off today? Wow. And I was like, okay, I'll be there in like 20 minutes. So prior to working for me, um, she was the nonprofit coordinator for her church. Um, so she coordinated the like admin financial business side of the food bank, the youth ministry program, the adult ministry program, like all, and she, she goes to a church that has uh, something like, like three to 500 members and an average service, like four services on a Sunday and all of them have a thousand people in them. So it's a lot, it's a lot of volume. Like she was dealing with millions of dollars coming in and out on a regular basis and dealing with accounting, admin, emailing. And she at one point managed a team of up to 20 people. Um, so I get there and, um, he's basically like, he, was, he basically was like, yeah, so Kenya got laid off today. Um, how would you like to hire her? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, can I do that? Am I, can we, is that even possible? And I didn't realize that like, he had told me that something about her getting laid off, but I didn't realize that she, she had spent that whole week. He already, he, she, he, she'd already been laid off when I talked to him on Tuesday, but I didn't know that. Oh, and she had wow. spent that whole week looking and applying for jobs. And this was right at the beginning of when the COVID-19 shutdown was starting to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and she was just like having an impossible time finding a job that she really liked. Um, so I, I managed to hire her and I, I, I just gave her a huge raise because I hired her at a rate that I could afford when I hired her. Um, and it was $20,000 a year less than she was getting paid before. Wow. But, she, but she came on knowing we were going to grow and that it'd be a good long-term job. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. Great. And, uh, and she, she does all my day-to-day -day, like emails, phone calls, follow-ups um, up until I hired my accountant. She was manually entering all of our expense expenses, expenses, receipts, invoices into QuickBooks and keeping track of our books, um, keeping track of like crews and scheduling and getting things to people and managing the office. And then when we actually moved into our office, we, we moved into a, um, an actual like storefront office building in January of this year. So we have a 800 square foot office that border that faces a busy street with a 2000 square foot warehouse shop behind it. Wow. Um, and she coordinates and runs the day to day in the office and uh, awesome. has been just an absolute like blessing. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. Yeah. They're, they're worth yeah. their weight in gold for sure. Someone uh, yeah. done that. Something on this topic too. Uh, if, if you don't mind backtracking a bit, uh, like a big thing that I love about Chris's story is, uh, you, you started with handyman services, small jobs, just you, right? Just yep. You. Um, so, yeah. I do with a pickup truck and a garage full of tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you don't mind kind of like walking through that story a bit, cause I, I talk to a lot of people that they either come from as a general contractor remodeling, like I'm tired of that. I want to do small stuff or people that yep. want to do small stuff, but kind of like level up and add on, you know, bigger projects like decks, fences, remodels that you're mm -hmm. doing now. So um, if you don't mind kind of like walking through your story on, you know, starting as a handyman service, what that was like, and kind of like 
how you've like grown your business to now only in, in three years, just having this amazing growth. If you could just kind of walk through that for guys that I know are looking to like do that same thing that you're doing. Totally. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing is, is the honest truth is, is I started off as a handyman, not because like I wanted to do small jobs or I thought I couldn't do large jobs. Like I had a background in construction. Like I could have started a debt company right off the bat. Um, but I was still working full time in the fire service and I was only wanting, I wanted something to do a couple days a week to make extra money. Um, I had done like a lot of general handyman's type small projects for friends and family for probably years before I actually started my business. Um, like I had an ongoing agreement with my, uh, like my ex's mom that I would come over and I would do maintenance tasks at her house all the time. I would, I did all of her yard work, landscaping, hardscaping stuff. I did like redid her entire yard over the period of like six months, um, did stuff for my parents, did stuff for friends, did stuff for other family members. Um, and realized one day I was like, man, I'm, I'm a full-time firefighter. I have four or five, six days off a week. Um, I can start this business and do it as kind of a side job. And, uh, that's how it all starts. You, you think oh, I'll do a couple of days a week. And I had, had a lot of the tools already. I had a lot of the equipment already. I had a pickup truck and a trailer. Um, I basically just slapped some magnets on the side of my truck and bought business cards and t-shirts and started, started working. Um, and I learned through trial and error. Um, and at first it just kind of grew and grew and grew where I started doing more and more jobs, working more and more days a week. And it got to the point that basically every day I wasn't at the fire department, I was on a job. Um, and I started realizing like a, that I enjoyed running a business B that I enjoyed the customer service aspects of running like a service business. Um, and B and C I learned like how, potential how much potential there was for growth and long-term like ability to do a lot of the things I wanted to do by owning a business versus working for somebody Mm -hmm. um and I I loved being a firefighter and I still do I still work part-time as a firefighter and part-time as a paramedic um but I basically I hit a point where to be totally honest I realized that making like 80 to 100 grand a year with a pension for the next 30 years wasn't what I wanted Mm um I I I actually, so I I worked part-time as a firefighter for a long time. I got a full-time union gig. um, And then I got let off probation 11 months into my union gig for not meeting standards at that specific department and then got hired at another department um, and then left that department to work part-time. So I kind of bounced around. I've worked at four or five different fire departments and two or three ambulance companies um, and now just work part-time at one of each um, and focus on the business. Monday through Friday and kind of, I, I kind of joked that running, working as a 911 ambulance paramedic is my days off. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So what was that point? I know a, a popular topic is like, how do you know? And like, what did you do when it was time to leave that, that comfort, that job, the salary, the pension, the benefits? What, what was that? What was your experience in making that jump full time into Pacific home maintenance? Um, honestly, it was the point where I realized I was losing money by going to work. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I realized that, um, part of it was that back at that point, like say six months to a year ago, um, I didn't have as skilled a crew leads. My two crew leads I had were a lot less experienced and I hadn't hired my newest project manager. Um, so there was a point where even though I had amazingly good, awesome employees because of their experience and skill level. Um, if I wasn't on the job site, stuff would still get done, but production would get cut in half. 
Um, stuff wouldn't get done as quickly. Things would get missed. Um, stuff wouldn't get done as efficiently. Um, and it was a lot of the devils in the details kind of stuff. And also things like just coordinating deliveries of materials, picking up stuff, dealing with vendors and suppliers, dealing with customers. Um, it got to a point where I knew that I was losing more money in my business than I was making by going to work. So, and, and, and I real, and it was around that same time that I realized, like, I, I kind of, I think I leveled up in my own brain from saying, this is a side job that got really big to seeing, like, I could be a like multi-million dollar year company with 30 employees in a few years. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that big vision. Like, I love what you said yeah. when you started, you know, it, it wasn't so much just about starting a handyman business, but it was the potential of what it could be. You know, I yeah. remember when I first started, you know, I was making, you know, X amount of dollars per day at my previous job. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I, I can make that in just a few hours doing handyman stuff. Yep. And now I make more than that in an hour, you know? So it's, yep. it's like absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, but so how much of that would you say of that, that kind of that, that long-term vision really plays into starting a business? You, you, you feel like, do you think that's important to have or can you yeah. start a business? I, I would actually say that, um, having that long-term vision and having that long-term drive that that is so strong that it gets you out of bed at five o'clock in the morning to do stuff that when, when you get to a point in life where you own the company and you can take days off whenever you want, but instead you get up at five in the morning to come to the office and work your butt off for 14 hours, it, you can't survive as a business owner without that. Mm -hmm. Like you might last a while, but the, if you don't have a fire in your belly that gets you out of the bed, gets you out of bed in the morning and keeps you working and, it just fires you up every day, whether it be a passion for whatever you're doing as a business owner or a passion for like being successful, like passion for making money, passion for being successful, passion for having more free time. Um, like wealth is different to each person. Like some people want to be a business owner because it gives them more free time. Some people want to make tons of money. Some people want a Ferrari. Some people just want to have more time to spend with their family and their kids at home. And if you don't have that, I don't think you can really be successful as a business owner long-term. You might last a few years, but eventually you're going to realize that the amount of work that it takes isn't worth it. Um, like I, I had a conversation with my project manager, CJ, uh, today, actually, and we were talking about how um, we were talking about hiring more crew leads. And I was talking to him about how there are a lot of people in the world that are amazingly skilled craftsmen, amazingly driven individuals, amazingly good people, but they have no desire to own a business. They want to make good money. They want to clock in. They want to clock out and they want to go home. Right. Um, like, like I have one of my crew leads right now who he looks at my project manager working like 60 hours a week and coming in on the weekends. And like my project manager will text me at like 2 a.m. and be like, hey man, I was thinking about doing blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And I'm like, mm -hmm. go to bed, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's almost as bad as me. Um, but CJ is going to be like, he's going to be in the company for the long haul. And he's going to be, he's on the same level as me, as far as like crazy giant, real unrealistic, realistic vision of where, where we're going to be in five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And my other crew lead just laughs and he's like, man, I just want to like come to work, let's check and go home with my wife. <laughs> right. Right. And there's, there's people that want that. You know? Yeah. There, there are, that's one of the things that I, I talk about all the time. Like you talk about people that argue about minimum wage and the reality is at the end of the day, somebody still has to work at McDonald's and somebody's going to enjoy it. And at the end of the day, somebody, at the end of the day, somebody has to be the guy that hands you your food at Taco Bell. Mm 
Somebody, mm-hmm. somebody has to be the pizza delivery driver. Somebody has to be the checkout person at the grocery store. And there are plenty of people that are more than content to make like a basic wage and clock in and clock out and go home at the end of the day. Yeah, and definitely. it takes a special kind of absolutely crazy to be a business owner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So, uh, what, the, what you, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, what would you say one of your biggest wins or multiple different wins in your business that you've experienced? Well, I guess both business and personal, you know, in, yeah. this, in this two year journey. Oh, man, honestly, like the, the biggest wins have been the little things um, like it. I don't think there's any one really big event that's like been like, Oh man, this is like the turning point of our company. Or this is like, this is going to be the big thing. Um, I do remember like the first time I sold and landed a large job. Um, like we did a lot of like 10, 15, $20,000 jobs, but I remember selling a $60,000 deck project and we had never done anything even close to that size. Hmm. Um, and I remember um, it was a referral from one of my, it was, it was actually my landlord's, friend's husband or something like that. Like it was a, it was a direct referral through my, my commercial office space that I rent. It was my landlord's like friend basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember going out there and they didn't even get a second estimate. They didn't talk to anybody else. They just said, Hey, you came highly recommended. What is this going to cost? And they laid us out exa- exactly what they wanted. And it came out to like $52,000 or something like that. And they're like, okay, when can we start? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I remember, it wasn't a turning point, but I remember that was the day where I was like, okay, I need to hire more people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, and it was, and it was, and that was uh, less than a month after we had moved into our new space and it felt really big and empty. And like we were, we had bought, we had moved into too big of a space and spoiler alert, six months later, it feels too small and I want to buy another building. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. And it was definitely a point where I was all of a sudden like, man, we're, we're, this is definitely, this is possible. Like this is, this isn't just like a, a dream. This isn't just like something that's maybe going to happen. Like all of us, all of a sudden it felt real. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing is like, there are definitely days where I wake up and I walk into the office and I walk in and I'm like, man, I can't believe that I'm walking into like a legitimate office with four desks in it and 10 employees and a shop full of tools. And, like 16 foot high warehouse shelving with a forklift and giant piles of materials and supplies and like two three trucks worth of guys coming in and out in the morning and driving away to leave. And like, we had a demo this morning from one of our, our decking suppliers and the representative from like the regional supplier came in and gave us a whole presentation and left us like this huge pile of samples and demo pieces that are on the wall behind me and a bunch of stuff. That's and I'm like, man, this is, this is kind of crazy. Right. You're really, you're, you're making a business. That's awesome. Yeah. So adversely, what would you say would be your biggest struggles that you faced both business and personal throughout this two year journey? Yeah. So the, the hardest struggle is easy. So the hardest struggle was, um, getting myself out of the field. Um, it was really, for me, the biggest thing was relinquishing control. Um, cause I have a, I have a hugely high unrealistic production and quality standard. Um, one of the things that, uh, my project manager told me when I first started, but he was kind of laughing and he was like, man, you, you work on the job set like a monkey that just snorted cocaine. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like you, you outwork the other three guys put together. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm the only one here not getting paid by the hour. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, wow. And, and expecting anybody else to work as hard as the guy that owns the company is just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how motivated and how hardworking they are. You're never going to get, 
You're, 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 nobody's ever going to do, nobody's ever going to be a second you in a company. And I feel like a lot of guys have that problem. I hear people talk about that all the time in, in the handyman journey. They talk about how like, they won't hire an employee because they don't want to lower their quality standard. Right. They won't um, do as good of a job as them. Yeah, you won't do as good of a job. I'll, I'll lose customers because of blah, blah, blah. Like they won't, mm-hmm. they won't be as tidy as me. I won't be able to find somebody as experienced as me. I can't afford to hire somebody that has the same level of quality control and experience as me. Blah, 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 Again, blah. I just, I just hear excuses. It's a victim mentality when it comes yeah. to that, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and quite often what you speak and what you think comes to action, you know? Yeah. So if, if you're speaking that into your future employees or whatnot, that's, that's probably how you're going to treat them. <laughs> and I, yeah. I love that, that like general topic though, of like, it's so hard to get out of the field, right? And you're relinquishing mm-hmm. that control from what you do best. And so some advice that I got within this last year, which was, uh, it's so great for any business owner. Uh, the biggest thing holding a lot of businesses back is that the owners, they cannot give up what they're best at or what they're yep. really good at. And mm-hmm. that's often the biggest hindrance of business growth is that the owner just cannot step away from what they are good at. Yep. And, you know, likely you, you're not going to find someone that's going to do it just as well. But as the yeah. owner, you can equip them, you can train them, you can give them processes, mm-hmm. you can give them systems that they can do a pretty dang good job, meet the expectations of the client. And then that frees you up to look, I mean, now you're in your office, right? I mean, it's yeah. like you're in your office more than in the field. And uh, I, I haven't put a tool belt on, I haven't put tool belts on more than two or three times in the last three months. Mm-hmm. And how's it feel now though? Like you're separated mostly from the field. Like, mm-hmm. how does that feel like reflecting on like giving that up? I really regret buying a $600 tool belt right before I moved out of the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Yeah. That's a regret right there. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I hear all the time in a lot of business coaching groups and on Facebook and so like that the, the hardest thing for business owners to get their head around is when you have the ability to work on your business instead of in your business, all of a sudden things change rapidly. Um, if, if you have the ability to take a step back, look at the big picture, focus on the niche things that you're good at. Like, for example, for me, my, my number one, my number one thing that I can do in the business to make the business money has nothing to do with building anything like we're a construction company. And the most beneficial thing I can do from the company is sit in the office and make sales calls. Right. Um, cause honestly, cause honestly, I, I've found in the last six months, I'm a better salesman than I'm a carpenter. That's good. That's good. So it's, it's one of those things that you don't really realize until you get there. You start to realize that having the ability to step out of the field as a construction contractor and run your office is huge. Um, all of a sudden, you'll be, able to, you'll, be able to, you'll be able to do things like I spent four hours this morning just working on implementing our new CRM. Um, so we just signed on with Jobber. It's a whole like job management software system. It's kind of like Market or Job Nimbus or one of those other CRMs that a lot of the guys in the handyman group are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also there are a lot of handyman guys that don't even know what a CRM is or <laughs> right. don't want to use one. Mm-hmm. Or they see that it costs $300 a month and they're like, I'm not spending $300 a month on I some stupid computer program. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't afford to spend $300 a month. It's like, well, when it automatically does things that take you hours a day to do, I mean, $300 is like an hour of work for us. Mm-hmm. Nice. For sure. What, uh, what CRM did you use before that? So that's the funny thing is I, I didn't. Um, we had a task management software called Asana. 
um, which is basically it's a really, 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 really fancy to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can create journals and books, and within those journals and books, you can have tasks, and within those tasks, you can have subtasks. So we had a book for prospective customers, active projects, general company jobs, marketing, blog posts, uh, general admin tasks, finances, whatever. Mm-hmm. So a lead would come in through a website that Jason built for us, pop in an email. My office manager would add them as a task in Asana under prospective customers. She'd send them an email, ask them to get us photos of their project. And then I would jump on and see if they needed to get a phone call. I'd call them and do a sales call. When we sell it, they get moved to prospective customers where my project manager can see it. And then they have tasks assigned for order materials, get the supplies, get the supplies coordinated, finish, finish estimating the final details, get that, get that delivery scheduled, schedule which crew is going to be on site, plan the dates, officially schedule, invoice them for a deposit, confirm the contract is signed, done, 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 done the list. Wow. And, and then so we also had, and we also had QuickBooks. Invoice? Oh, you had QuickBooks for that. Yeah. So we did all of our estimating, invoicing, and job costing through QuickBooks. Um, you're gonna you're gonna love having it all in one because it's yeah well and the cool well and the coolest thing is is jobber back integrates through everything else so jobber automatically syncs and back integrates with quickbooks mm-hmm. um every one of my employees has a company email and is a user in jobber now they can they can snap a picture of a receipt and attach individual expenses to specific customers and specific jobs when they clock in and out they can click which job site they're on so at the end of a job when it's completed i can see exactly how many labor man hours were actually spent on that job i can see an exact expense total and it'll automatically generate me a report that says you spent this much on labor this much on materials your profit margin and roi is this number just all automatically and then it all back syncs to quickbooks automatically mm-hmm. that's awesome that's gold yeah i mean i uh, i personally use marcate uh, yeah. but you know i know i know quite a few people who use jobber and I think yeah. that they're phenomenal, phenomenal products. Yeah. You know? I, I looked at both. The only reason I chose Jobber over, Mar- over Market or Market, or I don't know which one it's actually called. Is it Market? You know, I've, I've talked to the uh, marketing guy and he's like, you know, you could call it whatever you want. <laughs> Some people call it Mar- Marcate, you know. It's so. Marcate. That's, that's awesome. It's whatever. Um, but they don't even know yeah. really I, it. <laughs> I looked at both and uh, like Market, Job Nimbus, uh, Service Titan, they're all more oriented more towards service call businesses. So if you really are doing exclusively handyman stuff, I feel like market is what I would have bought and used. Yeah. Jobber just has a lot of features that are more designed to manage multi-day and multi-week larger projects. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's that's really why I use Marcate and yeah. I recommend it wildly. Yep. Because I, I believe Marcate's the number one in the handyman industry. But For sure. definitely, you know, you move up yeah. if you if you get into contracting, you know, to Jobber and Service yep. Fusion and Service Titan and all this and that. Yep. You know, it's it's kind of yeah, no, if I was towards, you know, multi, multi-day or multi-week jobs, like you said. Yeah, and if I was doing just handyman service calls or even like market even for like an electrician or a plumber or an HVAC technician or a contractor that is doing primarily service calls that are individual days or multiple appointments a day is awesome. And I love that it has so many integrated features. Like I love that it has stuff like postcard mail services and it integrates directly with so many other services and it and it you can invoice and estimate and do all that stuff within the same program mm-hmm. um and then on the flip side i looked at like builder trend for example but builder trend is more for like a gc that does four or five six jobs a year 
and that job is that job is a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar custom house or a five hundred thousand dollar addition, and they're running like fourteen subcontractors and twenty employees and eight months of work on one job, and it's it's overkill for us. So it, finding a CRM is a really hard thing to do as a handyman or a contractor. There's so many options. It's so, hard to move. Uh, yeah, that's something that I think any new business too they need to invest in a CRM. Yeah, uh, just to keep the database, also any kind of marketing functionality like the yep. email blast or text message, like hitting up your current client base is the is one of the best mm -hmm. strategies to combat the slow season too. For sure, uh, when yeah. You to fill the books or whether you know you start focusing on a handyman division, it's like okay, how do I fuel some some jobs, mm -hmm. some some work coming in? Mm -hmm. Well, your your clients that you've already helped that already you've already established that great reputation with them, right? Yeah, that's the lowest hanging fruit to uh, yeah. You know, get more work what the cheapest customer is a current customer for sure yeah well, and crm helps you helps yeah you keep that returning customer a returning customer you know keeps that lead yeah so. well and it's and it's not even just like it's not even just return customers it's, it's referrals it's return customers it's being the top of mind it's being like it's it's the same concept as 20 years ago you gave them a magnet to put on their fridge like showing up in somebody's email inbox is the new fridge magnet. Like when they, they when, when they think of like, oh, I need this done, you're top of mind. Like, oh, I see your emails. I see your blog posts. Like I follow you on Facebook and Instagram. Like I, I see your projects. Yep. And then the other biggest thing is too, is like if you are a handyman company or a small service call contractor and you have the aspirations to grow to do bigger jobs, um, or if you're doing exclusively like handyman and home maintenance repairs and you want to start doing bigger jobs, the way that one of the biggest things that led to us doing bigger jobs was that we had existing customers we had done small jobs for that mm -hmm. asked us to do larger jobs. Yeah. Um, our first full from scratch deck build was actually a customer that a year prior to that we hung a TV for. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So we, we did $125 TV mounting, which for all you listening, just so you know, that's less than half what we charge now. Um, but just 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 to clarify, um, we're we're one hundred and ten dollars now with a three hour minimum now. So hanging a TV is three hundred and thirty dollars plus tax. <laughs> um, but back then it was one hundred and fifty bucks because I didn't know any better. Um, and and one the other day for three thirty. Yep, it did. And uh, and that that client hired us about three or four months later to um, I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was replacing flooring in a bathroom, and it was like a fifteen hundred dollar job. And then three or four months after that, he called me and he was like, hey, I, uh, I want to replace my deck in my backyard. My, my parents were visiting me at my house um, and my mom actually stepped through a rotten board and put her foot through the deck. And Damn. was so, and was the fun, it's a really funny story, but the short version is, is her, her, her mom or his mom was so upset about it that she was like, you've got to replace your deck right this very minute wow. um, and made a whole big thing about it. And he... He ironically is actually a, a friend of mine now, but he works for Washington State and he actually collects sales tax from delinquent businesses. <laughs> um, so he was like, I better not hear from you anytime soon. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was like, I can't afford this. Like it was right in the middle of COVID. Um, he had just gone through a divorce. He had just like dealt with splitting out assets, didn't have the money. Um, and he told his parents, he was like, I can't afford a deck. Like this is going to cost me 20, 30, $40,000. Um, and he called me and he got an estimate and his parents wrote him a check for it. Wow. Wow. Nice. Insane. Um, but before yeah. we move on to the next, uh, the next deal here, I want to do a little, uh, shameless plug. If you guys like, if you guys listening and you guys like this podcast, um, and you are interested in Marquette, the, the CRM that we're talking about, 
there will be an affiliate link down in the show notes. Click that. And if you guys sign up with that link, it will help out this podcast. So that's just a little shameless plug for you. Um, but uh, Chris, get back to you. What what would you say has worked well in your marketing strategy? Hiring Jason. <laughs> number one, number one. Yeah, number, number one shameless plug for Jason is uh, I... Yeah, shameless plug for Jason and Handyman Web Design is uh, I, I hired Jason when I was a brand new business. I, I can't remember what I paid, but it was something really crazy. Like, was it like $300 or $500 for the initial like one page website? Let's not talk about the prices from three. <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't even want to talk about it because it's so crazy low. Like, I, I got a screaming deal. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I got lucky and I got in, with, I got in the door with Jason before he knew how valuable his services were. And, and he, I got a screaming deal on my initial website and I got compliments on it for, I still get compliments on it, but I've, I've since redesigned it like 18 times with Jason, but, but a hundred percent because of me, it's been great every time, but I always tweak it and change things and update things and add more pages and add more services and add more features and use it as a sales tool. But uh, that initial decision to like get a professional website, work with somebody that actually knew what they were doing goes back to if you don't know what you're doing, write a check to somebody else. Um, and having that was the number one first big thing. Um, and then long-term working with Jason to create like a really good web strategy, really good ad strategy, getting everything optimized as far as like generating and creating content that was optimized, generating and creating blog posts and things for the website and generating an awesome like SEO and ad strategy. Um, is still the number one things that brings leads to our door. And it brings qualified leads, not just leads. Um, for all you guys out there still using Home Advisor and Angie's List and Yelp, just stop right now. It's a waste of money. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, it's short term. So, I mean, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I've worked with Chris for, I mean, since since the beginning, really. Um, and it's all about building like a long-term asset that, that you own that works for your business. Um, and yeah. You know, you just don't get that with the short term stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and so and, and that's something too I commend Chris about is like he sticks with stuff like he, he tests it out and he tries it for a while. And because I talk to a lot of guys that they just throw money here, they throw money there in marketing, but you need to stick with it. You need to you need to double down on things that are going to be long term growth for your business. It's going to be an asset to your business. And and it's certainly not home advisor. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Home advisor. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, don't apologize. They deserve it. <laughs> So, so, I mean, you know, obviously like we work together, Chris, but like what else in marketing? Like, I mean, I know you have some nice wraps on your truck. That was yep. uh, first, you got to start with the magnets, but the wrap, yeah. um, anything else that, that you tried like outside of digital, um, or anything yeah. Else so shout out and maybe give people an idea to, to give a try. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do two or three things. So, uh, one is definitely like Jason mentioned, um, getting your truck wrapped, getting company uniforms, getting, uh, getting a brand. So one of the things that people, I think, a lot of times don't understand is Jason's probably going to explain this better than me, but I'll butcher it and try my best. But there's a huge difference between advertising, marketing, and branding. And what a lot of new businesses don't understand is that posting on Facebook might not be advertising, but it is branding. And putting, putting yard signs up in your neighborhood might not be advertising, but it is branding and it is marketing. And wrapping your truck and having a cohesive company look from the beginning, having a logo that matches your business cards, your flyers, your door hangers, your signs, your shirts, your truck, your shop, your sign, everything matching that in and of itself 
automatically sets you up cut above 90% of the contractors probably around you. Um, like you hear all the time, like, like I hired a guy to build my deck and he drove up in a beat up old 1990s Ford F-250 diesel truck that my neighbors could hear coming from a mile away. And he stepped out wearing ripped Carhartt smoking a cigarette and my neighbors complained that he blocked the driveway. Ironically, ironically that's my handyman. <laughs> yeah. And ironically, like that, that was my, that's, that's my dad. That's like, that's all you got. Yeah, I'm not no, in your area yet. and 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 the reality is is that a lot of those guys do the same quality of finished work as me, uh, but the difference is, is I charge four times as much. Yeah, and yeah. and, and that comes full circle. I know we just have a few minutes here, so I, I definitely want to like uh, like maximize three. <laughs> can we turn three minutes into an hour? Is what yes. I'm trying to yeah. do. Yes. But it, it's kind of full. We, circle. we can do a part two next month if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris has like this awesome brand, Rap Trucks, professional website, web presence, you know, people find him and see him everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. He's got great customer service. Someone answered the phone. He, whenever someone gets an invoice, an estimate, it's branded. They have payment options. They can pay online. It's all professional. And that all builds it up to allow Chris to charge a premium rate and make good money doing what he does. And so, yes, all this stuff costs money, but you you will make significantly more when you have this entire brand this entire presence this entire experience mm -hmm. that all your customers are getting and and even tying into asana that's project management so when yep. the, and chris has a new like debt client and kenya's you know getting everything organized she checks all the boxes it's the exact same experience that they've created that they know is an awesome experience and they do it over and over and over again and he probably yep. gets more profitable every single month that he does these this kind of work and so i hope that yeah. listening sees the bigger picture here that it's all working together so that chris can have this killer business that is just growing like crazy mm -hmm. yeah and and one of the things I'll, I'll mention is this is probably a whole other conversation and we didn't really get to, get to talking about like working business debt or debt maybe that can be a part two thing but um to give you guys to give you guys a really simple version um Nine months ago, we took out a small business loan for $30,000. And that small business loan took us from doing $300,000 in revenue last year to doing $900,000 to a million in revenue this year. Working debt is, debt is only bad if it doesn't make you money. Mm -hmm. At least in my opinion. There's a lot of different opinions on that. I'll, I'll piss off half the guys listening by saying that out loud. But, no, I, I love it. but, but the reality is, it's the same concept as you can drive a thousand dollar car that you have paid off and spend $300 a month fixing it when it breaks, or you can make a $500 a month car payment on a brand new truck. Right. Right. Yep. And, and in, and in business, like if all those things Jason was talking about, like all the things we do to have a cohesive brand and have a cohesive like experience do cost money, but it's a one-time expense that will pay dividends in the long run like getting your truck wrap might cost you a couple thousand dollars maybe you can get it wrapped for a lot less but like we have a full vinyl like custom wrap that we do on our trucks that costs 3500 bucks um and i have gotten hundreds of phone calls and leads over the last year from having the truck wrapped we went from like one truck wrapped to two trucks wrapped to three trucks wrapped to two trucks and or three trucks and two trailers wrapped and everything we have all matches it's all cohesive it's all a brand and the number of people that just drive up, drive down the road and say, oh, I see, like, I remember back when it was just me in one truck and I'd get phone calls, people would say, man, I see your trucks everywhere. I was like, what do you mean? Right. What do you mean trucks? Like with an S? <laughs> and it's, and it's crazy. Like it's, 
it, it makes it, it can make you seem like a bigger company than you are, and it builds a reputation, builds a brand that you wouldn't otherwise Definitely. have. Definitely, yeah, and and that there builds is part of building the brand too. So, uh, yeah, yeah it, that's an interesting uh, thing. You know, Chris and I probably have just for maybe um, clickbait information. We we probably have completely polar opposite, you know, different thoughts on debt. So if you yeah. guys want to hear that conversation. Um, you know, if you guys want to see maybe a, a second episode with Chris, go ahead and leave us a comment in the comment section or leave us a comment on the podcast you're watch, you're listening to. Uh, that would be kind of fun to hear if you guys even want to go down that rabbit trail. Yeah, uh, we, but, we can get Alan Stevenson on the podcast list too. There you go. We <laughs> can get Alan Stevenson, Chris Olson, and us. Yeah, that'd be that'd be quite yeah. a deal. That'd be, be fun. That'd be awesome. I, I I love Alan. He's he's an amazing asset to the to your your community and your yeah. Facebook group. And he, I've, I've I've called him and I actually am tr- I'm gonna, I'm going to try and hire him as my personal financial advisor here pretty soon. If once I have the money okay. to afford that. Once I have enough assets and liabilities to actually justify paying somebody to manage them. <laughs> so I got I got one more question for Chris because we literally like two minutes. But okay. before I forget, um, anyone listening, watching, um, join the Handyman Success uh, Facebook group. Master yep. Facebook, yep. Yep, and we're going to pull Chris in there. Uh, we're going to have everyone that we interview um, in this Facebook group. So it's all about business, marketing, kind of the stuff that we dug into today. So um, request to join that group. Uh, Chris is going to be there. Like I said, all our previous guests, we can you can ask some questions, ask us questions. I mean, that, that's what this group is all about, this kind of content. So uh, the Handyman Success Mastermind group on Facebook. Uh, last question for Chris. One, like last, what is your parting advice tips to... Um, anyone that's like looking to start their business or kind of, they're kind of capped out and they're trying to take it to the next level. Sure. Um, number one piece of advice is I'm going to make this really short because it could turn into something long. So the, say hire Jason. <laughs> well, yeah, hire Jason, but besides hiring Jason, um, the number one thing that you can do every day to be successful is realize that it's not the big things that matter. It's the little things. So people think that self-discipline is this magic thing that you, some people just have. And the reality is, is there's two different kinds of discipline. There's macro discipline, there's micro discipline. Macro discipline is the cumulative effect of you doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little things to train yourself to be a disciplined person and having self-discipline. If you make sure that you make a list of 5, 10, 15 things that you're going to do every day, to move the needle forward on your business and make progress, eventually those little things turn into big things. If you're at a point where you're thinking about starting a business, make a list and get started. You don't have to do all of it in one day. Research insurance companies one day, research bonding companies the next day, research what it takes to be licensed if you want to be licensed. If you don't, research the requirements of what you can and can't do. Get all your ducks in a row and quit your day job when you're ready. (laughs) Love it. And that like leads to, you know, it's these big opportunities that like Chris has experienced and Chris like still strives after. We all have these opportunities that we want to like leave our job to like hire an employee. And it, it is a culmination of little choices that we make every single day. And eventually with with persistence and, you know, drive, that opportunity is going to come up. So I, I love that. Yep. And if if you're making choices from the victim mentality, your opportunities are going to come from the victim mentality. If you make your choices from the champion mentality, you will get champion opportunities. So, yep, hundred percent opportunities. Champion opportunities. I want, I want some champion opportunities. <laughs> I want. I want a bowl of that for <laughs> oh, yeah. breakfast. Give me that, bud. Heck yeah! Um, awesome. Well, hey, if, if you don't mind, can I shamelessly plug myself really quick too? Go for it. 
Yeah, Sweet. you're about to start some stuff. Go ahead and tell Yeah, me. so the, really quick, uh, I, if you want to find me on social media, uh, we're Facebook Pacific Home Maintenance LLC. Instagram is Pacific Home WA. Website is PacificHomeWA.com. Um, feel free to go check it out. Uh, you can see, check out Jason's awesome website. We've got a ton of cool social media stuff going on. Um, but the shameless plug is that I am in the process of starting a both a podcast of my own and a YouTube channel of my own. Um, and it's going to be Pacific Home Pros. Um, and we're going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. We're just working on recording our first few episodes and getting things off the ground. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, general construction, business success, uh, marketing and advertising and stuff like that within construction specifically, um, and talking about topics specific to the industry too. So if you're interested in decks, fences, remodels, and that kind of stuff, and we'll talk about handyman stuff too, um, going to be getting off the ground soon. So, And I'll be posting it in the Facebook groups too once we get totally rolling and off the ground. Love it, man. We'll have to do some collaboration for sure. Oh yeah. I, I definitely would love to have, have both of you guys on at some point. I'm going to try to try to get it off the ground first and then get some cool guests after it, after I get started. Yeah. I, I have no doubt it's going to be awesome. I mean, as, as everyone listened, like, and like Chris being on the show is just a huge blessing to like us. And then hopefully he has been to you and uh, like his story and what he's been able to accomplish in a few years has been just I, I've been honored to be like uh, just a part of that. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, Chris. Uh, super excited to see like what happens for you at the end, by the end of this year. I mean, it happened so fast. The podcast, yep. all the stuff that you're working on, super excited for you. Yeah. yeah. And thanks so much for having me on, you guys. It was, it's been fun. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chris. I hope you have a great one and we will have you on again. Part two. If, for part two, if people want it. <laughs> yep. Sounds good to me. We'll see you, Chris. You have a good day. Yeah, you too.